we'll uh, start in verse 14 tonight, but really we have to kind of look at where we were at uh, last week when we dealt with behaving like a Christian as far as, um, and it could be to anybody, but I think especially here it's talking with, with Christians, and I think we can kind of take 14 through 21 and then see how it's with enemies, and we'll give a reason why that is in a moment. Um, but there's a difficult command or commands all through uh, this section from um, where we were at last week to the end of the chapter. Very difficult because it conflicts with the unredeemed flesh. Our unredeemed flesh does not want to cooperate with the things of God, especially the hard things of God. And um, matter of fact, they're probably all hard. And we, 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 what we did last week, we said how impossible it is to do these things, but we don't want to leave it off with that. Matter of fact, we're not even going to touch that issue tonight. I don't even want to deal with that because it is possible. Because these are commands given to us and we have no option. I don't want to leave anybody hanging and say, well, okay, wow, I'm off the hook then. I can't do it. I've got God's Spirit, but I can't do it now. No, we are issuing ourselves a challenge. Our lives are to change uh, according to this. And when we see New Testament commands, we are responsible for obeying. So I don't want anybody to get a wrong idea <laughs> that uh, I was trying to say, oh, well, these, these are so hard that uh, don't worry about them. That, uh, that is not what we're saying, but we are saying in and of ourselves, we can't do these. Uh, they are pictures of Jesus Christ. But now we have a new man in us. And this new man, as he looks to Jesus Christ, now has the ability, he can do these things. Otherwise, why would God tell us to do these things if we couldn't? Now, we have the law in the Old Testament, and it tells people to do things that they cannot in their flesh. But we no longer are to be led by our flesh. We are to be led by the Spirit of God. The things uh, that, uh, that are done by the flesh, the Spirit hates. And the things the Spirit does, the flesh hates. They're a constant war. And that's where we come in. We do have choices as Christians to decide whether to sin or not. But uh, hopefully we are being led by the Spirit of God. And, and if we've been in His Word and we're listening to Him, we... Uh, we uh, want to carry forth what His commands are. So that's what we're going to be dealing with uh, tonight. Uh, as we looked at last week, uh, we saw that... We'll just read this. Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil. Hate it. Cling to what is good. Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love and honor giving preference to one another. Not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing steadfastly in prayer, distributing to the needs of the saints given to hospitality. It's totally taking self out of the program, isn't it? This is dying to self, and now it is uh, being obedient to uh, the Spirit of God, lifting up others. It's about other people. We see how we're to relate to God and worship in the first few verses of Romans 12. Then He gifts us to be able to work in the church. So how do we respond to the rest of the body in, in the church? Well, from 9 through 13, we can definitely practice those things. Uh, being affectionate and having brotherly love and, 
and uh, going out of the way, if that's what it means. If somebody's in real need and you can meet that need, uh, then do it. And uh, that uh, is something that is representative of Christ. A Christian has the obligation not only to the church, but to people outside the church. Unbelievers. And not only that, he goes to the extreme in this section that we'll be looking at tonight, and it's radical. Because it's talking about not only resisting the temptation to, to hate or to retaliate, not only that, if somebody has hurt you, but then to bless them after they've done something against you. Now, that goes far against our nature, our natural self, the flesh. I'll put it that way. We, uh, we don't find it easy to do that if we're relying on the flesh. If we look at Christ, though, we see that that is uh, where He did that for us. And, of course, that's what we always want to take home with. This is radical behavior. As, uh, as we look at this. Uh, this is not the thing that anybody in the world is going to do. And it's, it's hard for Christians to do. But, um, you know, we can do willpower all that we want about, well, I'm not going to do that to that person. I'm not going to get them back. But at the same time, it's a heart issue because it's not only behavior, but the point is, the heart, when it says here, bless those who persecute you and do not curse them. If we saw anything like that in the writings of the world, well, I would be blown away. I don't think that uh, is uh, exemplary of what the world would do. Matter of fact, uh, pride in, in biblical times and just as well today. Um, would be against humility. The Bible teaches humility. In the biblical times when Paul wrote about humility, it went against the grain of any of the writings and the behavior of people in the world at that time. So that's why it's, it's radical. Radical today. It cuts to the very root of who we are and what we long for. And now I think we can see a radical behavior where it comes from and what it means. It comes from faith in Christ. And it means that Christ is all-sufficient. I have to totally see His sufficiency in this because I cannot do that. I can't bring myself to this. But Christ is a sufficient one, and we rely upon Him. And we'll be able to, rather than thinking highly of ourselves, we'll be thinking highly of, of others and according to the measure of faith that uh, God has assigned us. If we're going to be treated unjustly and hurt unjustly and at the same time bless our enemies and, and pray for them, um, then our natural obsession with, uh, I guess you can say, preoccupation with, with self, self-infatuation, self-exaltation, all of those start dying. That's dying to self. Piper said, but the death will accomplish nothing by itself. It must be replaced by, listen to this, Christ preoccupation and Christ infatuation and Christ exaltation instead of self-preoccupation and self-infatuation 
and self-exaltation. Those are the things that have to die. Christ's preoccupation, Christ's infatuation, Christ's exaltation. So it's embracing and taking that all-satisfying treasure of Christ and realizing that's what I want. And that's where these things come into play. So rather than just doing those things because we know we're supposed to do them, the heart actually starts changing and we start taking joy in not retaliating and not only that, but what? Blessing them. Praying for them. Boy, does that go against the grain. Do we have an option? No. These are commands. They're given in the Word of God. And we can say they're impossible, but as Christians, we are admonished to do these things. We have the capability to actually do these things that are so contradictory to the flesh. We're to practice these Christian things. This is walking in the power of Christ. Walking in the Holy Spirit. You think of Christ. You think the way that He thinks. Our minds start getting off of ourselves. That's our problem. Thinking of ourselves. And so, I, as we look at this section tonight, we haven't read it yet, 14 through 21, it's a holy calling. Uh, our sufficiency is of, of God. We have that through the person of Christ. And we want to deal with fellow men the way that uh, He would have us to deal with them. The way that He dealt with us. These are maxims that are just elevated way beyond mankind's thinking. And if we do those, we magnify the very name of God by living out His truth. This is, this is where the rubber meets the road. We've got the doctrine, but that doctrine is no good unless we, we practice that. So now we have a challenge before us. So all that we looked at last week, we don't want to forget about. We want to see that these are the things that really are important in, uh, in our life walk. Let's uh, pray. Father, we thank You for Your truth. We thank You for Jesus Christ who lived out that truth perfectly, lived out Your law. And as we look at Him, we should have the desire to follow Him in all areas. And that means leaving off self. And that's really what this whole area in Romans now deals with. Looking at the person of Christ. Desiring that. Desiring those actions to come through us and leaving off that old self. Dying constantly. And we know, Lord, it's through Your power. And we thank You for that. Thank You for giving us these commands so that we can start uh, as brand new Christians and then as we uh, live on in this Christian life to, to resemble the person of Christ, as we're made in the image of Him. What an incredible thought where you have put us at. And so we focus on Christ tonight as we always want to do that and realize that uh, this will glorify your name. Amen. Let's read these verses. And, you know, you just hate to jump on these. You could, you could spend a whole week on each one of these verses. But bless those who persecute you Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind toward one another. Do not set your mind on high things, 
but associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own opinion. Repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. If it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him a drink. For in so doing, you will heap coals of fire on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Wow. One command after another after another. And we go, yeah, those are good. <laughs> those, are, those are good. It's a good thing. I think anybody would agree with that. Uh, the um, the section in 14 through 21 assume here that something deeper has happened. All these commands are rooted in in uh, you know away from self preoccupation and that and they're and they're very crucial. But if you take this verse in 14, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. He is first starting there with the fact that there are people that persecute you. And that could be taken as an enemy. Not one who is a brother in the Lord. It could be. Now, those things can overlap. Don't don't get me wrong. But in many of the commentaries that I've read, uh, um, James Montgomery Boyce, I was reading Piper, and they have suggestions that all of these are going to apply to everybody. Okay, just let me overlap that. But then let's come back and see how they group it in their expository work. And I think they've got some points. When it says, bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse, if if you take that, go through 16, and you move to 17, again, you have the same thing. Repay no one evil for evil. Apparently, somebody does evil to somebody else. Okay, um, this is still in the context of an enemy, uh, where it talks about in 19, do not avenge yourselves, but give place to wrath. Let God do that. Don't be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. So he's using in this context uh, something that would be saying, what would be one reason that you would weep with those who would weep? Well, it would be that you're glad that they're weeping. That could be one reason. They're weeping, and I'm glad they're sad because they treated me bad. <laughs> no no rhyme intended. <laughs> and, you know, okay, it's like you're angry at them for the way they treated you, and then something bad happens to them, and you say, good, they deserve it. And we don't have any biblical uh, commands to do that. Now, there is the sense where David had a, he wanted a perfect hatred. And there are the Psalms where he called for God to bring on judgment to the ones who have been practicing evil. But a perfect hatred is saying something that has dishonored God and they want God to judge the sin. 
It's not so much that they hurt me, but they're hating the holiness of God, that person is. And so therefore, God, you, um, you have to use your attribute on that. Um, those precatory psalms are imprecatory, right? That's a big word. Yeah. <laughs> That's a worth, worth a dollar or something there, Pretty isn't much, it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's a Bible study discount. It's 85 cents. <laughs> <laughs> so, w- when we have a connection here, bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse, and then you go into 15, rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep, there's actually a connection and staying in somewhat of a context uh, it would be dealing with enemies. That's what we say. And like I say, this this could be working within the church. But I think what he's doing now, he's, he's pushing further outside, even to the people that you wouldn't call brothers and sisters, people that bring on uh, trouble. Uh, they have given you a lot of uh, hard times. They've done something bad against you, whatever. How do you deal with that? Well, there was in verse 9, if you look, there's a general statement. Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil. Cling to what is good. Okay. He introduces this dealing with love. And what he does in that is that he gives the general statement and then he says, okay, carry this out. And starting at verse 10, he says, okay, now, how do you do this? Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love. Giving preference to another and honor. Not lagging and doing Right on down through that section. So he says, here's how you carry it out. Here's the statement about loving others. Now here's what you do in that sense. In 14, which is still carrying on this whole sense, you have a general statement of blessing those who persecute you and make sure you do not curse them. Bless them. And then you have a general statement and now you have how to carry this out. How do you do that? Oh, you rejoice. You weep, be of the same mind, and set your mind on high things, associate with the humble, repay no one evil for evil, right on down where, where we're heading there. That's a good way to, to think of it. You know, when you break these down, whatever can help to um, maybe correlate these thoughts together. And so that's, that's how I, I um, kind of arrived at this, looking at... Uh, I think Boyce had a had a good thought on this, and uh, there's a command, and we were talking about how radical it is, and we've already seen that we're not to think the way the world thinks, and that's how radical it is. He goes down here to prove that, in like in verse two, when he says, "Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind." Well, here's one thing: bless those who persecute you. You know, it doesn't make sense as far as the natural mind goes. We're to love and pray for our enemies. Now, does that sound familiar? Did Jesus ever say this? Yeah, he absolutely did, didn't he? Um, let's go to Luke, Luke 6. See what uh, Jesus has said. That's why we say this is so radical. Christ was radical to the world's thinking. starts in verse 27. But I say to you who hear, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Sounds like a Romans, doesn't it? Bless those who curse you and pray for those who spitefully use you. To him who strikes you on the one cheek, offer the other also. From him who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. 
Give to everyone who asks of you. And from him who takes away your goods, do not ask them back. And just as you want men to do to you, you also do to them likewise. But if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. Go on down to get the same thought. This is the way it is to be in the kingdom. We're in the kingdom. This is how we're to live this out. That is strange stuff. Now, to Christian, it shouldn't be. And we know Jesus' teachings. It's just, uh, just so totally different. And so that's that's what he starts off with in in this area. Bless. Anybody remember the word for bless? Two parts. This is kind of related to Lagos. You heard of that? It's a very divine expression. Um, and it can get to... Uh, it also, there's another word for word that means to speak. So, to, to talk, to communicate, to bring it out. This means to speak well. And there's an English word that comes out of this. What would that be? Eulogy. Eulogy. And so you go to a funeral well, and what do they do? always speaks well at eulogy. Even if they knew that person <laughs> didn't do too many well things, right? <laughs> but they speak well, that's right. Blessing them, right? Um, to celebrate, to give praise. That's, that's the thought here when we uh, see the word bless. A lot of times you'll see, bless the Lord. Bless the Lord at all times. It means to praise Him, to extol Him. Uh, when God blesses us, we see that so many times. God, God blesses us. He bestows upon us good things you know, from Him. Bless others. How do we bless others? When we what? Speak well of them. We don't start bringing them down. As a matter of fact, start saying things, you know, you know uh, 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 bad things about them and casting it out all over the place. So that's why He would say, bless those who persecute you. Now, it would be easy to bless people who have blessed you. And that's what Jesus was saying. But the other way around to do that, uh, pretty hard, difficult. So we are to pray for them as we speak well of them, to speak their good. Let's go to some other passages. Let's go back to Luke 23. 23, 23-34. Christ being crucified, remember this? Then Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. (coughs) Who else said that? In the book of Acts, Stephen said the same thing. Took the words right from the Lord. You know what? We're we're right on when we start saying things that come from Scripture in the right context. You can be safe when you are thinking scriptural things. Sometimes when we get away from what Scripture is saying, 
we start thinking things. It could be good. It may not be good. It's going to be based. It could be based on scripture, and it may not. Um, but when we know we're saying things of scripture, I just do that. Sorry about that. Okay. <laughs> uh, how about First Peter chapter two, twenty-one? Now, you remember Peter. You remember his character whenever he followed uh, Christ as a disciple before the cross? <laughs> well, let's see. He wanted to get back at um, some people after they were when they were arresting Jesus, right? And he took that and cut Malchus's ear off, right? What does Peter say when he's inspired by the Holy Spirit? Some say he was trying to cut off his head. <laughs> well, I've heard that too. And using that sword that he had, just and he missed, he, or got the year. For to this, it's two twenty one, right? For this you were called. What were we called, Peter? Because Christ also suffered for us. Oh, that's not fair to use that one. <laughs> Leaving us as an example that you should follow his steps. He gets so smart. <laughs> what happened, Peter? How's he saying this? <laughs> he got humbled, and the Holy Spirit came into him uh, after Christ ascended, and he was doing things and saying things that he hadn't said or did before. <laughs> Who committed no sin, nor was deceit found in his mouth? Who, when he was reviled, did not revile in return? When he suffered, he did not threaten, but committed himself to him who judges righteously well who bore himself our sins in his own body on the tree that we having died to sins might live for righteousness by whose stripes you were healed for you were like sheep going astray but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls Mm. Mm. that's that's good motivation isn't it Yep. And that's it's uh it's Christ Christ righteousness there. That's hey Dennis, how we can do this. Can bring yeah. up another one? I didn't mm-hmm. see on your sheet here um talking about the tongue um, in James three ten. James three ten. Okay. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives, or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. Mm. Yeah, there's the the blessing and the cursing. And, uh, of course, in Romans, that's what he's saying. You bless and, and do not curse. It's amazing that out of our mouths, out of our Christian mouths, we can do both of those. And boy, he brings on some conviction there, doesn't he? James is a very practical book. It has, just like what Romans 12 is doing here, how to operate in the Christian life. Sandy. I'm not, I'm not a person who curses. So 
that I know many people who are Christians, or say they're Christians, and yet as soon as they're in a work environment, they get with others, and they can mm. curse up a storm with them. How can we do that if we're truly a Christian and have Christ living in our hearts? I, I don't yeah. understand how. I know that's the sin, and it's, it, how can we continue doing it if you follow the Lord God at all? That's what I think that's what James was concerned with there, and John, the first John, you know, a mark of a Christian is that that he has love for others, and to say things about somebody uh, and then using using uh, language that would not be representative of Christ, if that's a continual practice. John's saying that's not a Christian. Yeah. That's serious. Yeah, you'll be castigated from there on out. Yeah, that's the first thing they'll usually do. Self, self-righteous. That's what they'll call you. Yeah, you look for that golden opportunity. Lord, if I get the opportunity to say something, make sure it's at the right time and to the person at the right time that you'd like to turn right here to Romans 12 and say, now you say you're a Christian, right? When you've heard something that was... People are committing murder in their in their hearts whenever they do those kind of things. Jesus talked about that in the Sermon on the Mount. But if one's a Christian... And you'd say, okay, well, then you're committed to God's truth, right? What do you think about when Jesus made a statement such as that? Or here in Romans 12, bless those who persecute you. But, like you say, uh, if they're really not Christians, what are they going to do? They're going to come back and retaliate against exactly what you're saying. And, and you're trying to do it out of love. It is a hard thing to operate in. You're, you know, you're in a situation where um, 
most of them are probably not going to be believers. They could be, you know, who, who am I to judge that? But there, many of them are professing to be Christians. But then you'd like to have the opportunity, and you may not ever get it, because, um, you know, you can say things, but what's going to happen? They're going to take it totally wrong. The, the wisdom to be able to say it at the right time. Oh, that's a good one. I didn't even think of that one. The cussing pastor. Yeah. You know, or if they've never been in it. Huh? Or if they've never been in it. And the hard part of dealing with that is that, in, especially in this passage and in the passage in Luke, is that in a way what is happening to you in the workplace is persecution. And it is, and it's offensive to you, and it's like being slapped on one cheek. And our overriding feeling is supposed to be love, and that's the hardest part to do, is to love in spite of hearing all the curse words, and in spite of hearing all the hate. And that's, you know, that's the part that is the hardest thing to do. Is that, is that, you know, instead of you know trying to get it to stop, we have to work to love beyond it, and that is just. That's so hard, you know, because I mean, I, and I had a friend that was in the construction business years ago, and uh, and and it was it was hard for him because he was among people that were just cussing a blue streak every day, just like you know, like so sailors. Show your manhood, right? How many huh? did you know? Yeah, right. And so, yeah. And so he had to, you know, he had to deal with it, and, and all he did was he just he just didn't cuss. And that was just, you know. Well, you know, when when people are unbelievers, you can say, okay, they don't know Christ. When other people say they're Christians, they may not be. You don't know sometimes. It's like, what do you do with this now? If they're Christians, do you look for that opportunity to say, at the, at the golden time, of saying, okay, now you say you're a Christian, and, it may, and you've got to say it in a, in a loving way, but how can you justify that whenever Scripture says this? You know, what, what do you do? Well, if they're not Christians, they're, even though they say they are, they're probably going to be very upset. Yeah, Janice. We had a pretty good friend. This gentleman was a, was a former alcoholic, and as far as I could tell, was a committed Christian. He had a very generous spirit, spirit of giving. I never heard him say a critical word about anybody, but his language. Now, he did not profane the Lord's name, but it was just, it was crude, you know? So, I did ask him one time, I asked him, because he was very approachable, and I said, Bill, I've just been wondering, I have a question about the language. And he said, what's that? And I turned to him, and I said, there's like no unwholesome word uh-huh. come out of your mouth. And you not know it I said, And I knew that he read his Bible all the time. I said, what do you do with it, with this verse? Was he, he was professing Christian, right? Oh, yes. And he oh. seemed like he was to, to us. And he looked at me, and he said, Well, praise the Lord. That doesn't always happen, but it it can. There we go. What happened? What's the rest of the story? Did he stop? Well, not that I know of. We 
Well, and that's the beauty of the word is that is that it it teaches us what we're like and what we what we need to stop doing and what we need to start doing. And for some people, it just takes a little longer. It's not an instantaneous thing. As soon as you walk the aisle, you quit smoking, you know, or quit cussing or quit, you know, doing whatever. I mean, it can be that way for some people, but the sanctification process is a process, you know, and in that, you know, instance where it got pointed out, you know, I mean, hopefully he would have, really kind of I mean, there. it was said one time, yeah, he may have been a lot cruder before you talked to him, and, and he might be actually, may have been actually improving. You know, I mean, that's well, what's hard. There is a, a, a verse of the yeah. bad company corrupts morals. And, you know, I think the, you know, we rub off on each other sometimes with, you know, some some may be more conscious of it than others and sensitive to it or whatever, and and so. But uh, I hear this all the time now with different people I talk to and, and, and hear it myself in the workplaces. The, you know, all these vile things that come out of people's mouths. And I used to talk like that, too, you know. So I I just, I try not to listen to it. And uh, it, it, it's not a situation, you know, where I have to be confronted with it all the time like you do. And that's, that's very unfortunate. But there is something there that God's got you there. To, uh, I guess, for you to, uh, uh, if nothing else, um, you know, look to His grace to help you with your your sensitivity. There's one person that says does this a lot, and they've done it not too long ago in front of me, and then she stopped and she looked at me and says, "Oh, pardon my French." Oh, well, <laughs> see, the French always get beat up. Yeah, my coworkers apologize now when they, when it slips out. They go, oh, sorry, Bill. Oh, that's you, you know, because okay. they, you know, because they, I mean, they know now. You Things know. have just really sure. changed too. Mm-hmm. Uh, because like old books and stuff you read, I remember reading one where, yeah, not only that, but um, the, the women wouldn't go around where there were a lot of men, where there was rough talk, and so I think there was bad curse words and stuff then, but women didn't do it so much as they do now. Yeah. The women's mouths are quality yeah. They get it all, don't they? Yeah. <laughs> so, and they didn't want to bring the kids around. Like a rough talk, you know. Wow. And so the morals are kids. Just like everything. It's not professional sounding. I think it is so unprofessional. Well, now you know in the movies they have to use the words because that's just what you do. And you're like, no, you're not. Yeah. You get so frustrated on that, you know? You know what? Have you ever heard of a person going to a movie because, oh, great, I'm going to go there because they're going to be speaking really bad words? <laughs> Have you ever heard anybody that? If they went through a whole movie without that, would those people who cuss, would they, does it make any... disappointed. Have you ever heard them? Are there some like that? <laughs> I had a friend who went on a canoe trip a few weeks back, and he said that he took this whole family, and he said, and all the whole way down the river we kept hearing... You know, the F word. He goes, 
But the beauty in being a homeschool family, we heard it used as an object, an object, and now a verb. <laughs> <laughs> to the preposition. <laughs> we heard it right. Turn, turn it out for the good anyway, a learning situation. We heard it used in every single way we could possibly hear it used. <laughs> That's good. Well, what Janice was talking about, I like to think that this man is a Christian that because of that, he thought about it. And then as time went on, even if he did slip up, which, hey, Christians do that, right? But then he would immediately think of Janice. You know? And let me tell you, those things can stick out in your mind when somebody has addressed you on something. And, you know, it's like, well, what they said was right. You know? And they can take it really good sometimes. I've seen it where that happens. Good. Had he been an sure. I think he had every right to do what you did, and and I like what you did. You asked the question. Yeah. That's probably a good way to address somebody. You don't come up there and start jamming it down the throat, but you just say, "I just got something that I got to ask you," you know, or something like that. Mm-hmm. They don't even know it. Yeah. Well, if they be convicted by God's Word, then His Spirit comes in and all of a sudden they stop. But if they're not Christians, they're not bound by the Word, so therefore, what's this to them? So, yeah. Oh, you can go into, if they're taking God's name in vain, for instance. Um, now you can approach it as, oh, they're breaking the law. I'll show you, here's here's one element. You, you know, hey, have you ever stolen it? You know, you can start doing those things, you know, and all of a sudden you show they have a need. Yeah. Yeah. But we're not to call down curses. It's, I think it was um, Haldane, it might have been somebody else said this, I didn't give the quote here, that says, Your bowels yearn over that enemy more and more for the very blindness and madness which make him a persecutor. <laughs> the blindness and madness that he has. And so you bless and not curse. It's seeing that enemy uh, that he is, he's just blinded. He's blinded by the enemy. And instead of cursing him, you you bless uh, that situation. You 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 pray for him. You know, it's it's stated that uh, today a lot of high blood pressure and anxiety problems are caused by attitudes of, of resentment and hostility that eat at people, and it eats and eats at them. That um, anything like that, it, it just it brings it up, and and so they, you know, there they are. They have to retaliate. And they react negatively to uh, unpleasant situations and unpleasant people. And so they, and rather than blessing and saying something good, what do they, they do? Say something bad and do something bad. That's a natural way. Persecute. And that was interesting that you brought that up, Bill. I think that, yeah, that's persecution in the workplace. It is because, first of all, you're in danger of losing your job. Uh, they're going to snub you. Or they're going to call you self-righteous, uh, and that is a persecution. That we are being, we, we can be persecuted a, a lot, even in this country where it's still uh, very easy to live a Christian life here and, and not have a lot of problems. Um, that time may be coming um, quicker, where the actual out-and-out persecution is happening because of the things that the government is doing and hate crimes and such. They call if you don't believe in homosexuality. And you mention that in a public, that can be a hate crime. 
And in Canada, they'll arrest you for that if you're uh, preaching on that. No, they will uh, reprimand you. The textbooks that they're using in the state of California state that now. That's in the schools. That's so isn't that amazing? Mm -hmm. that, wow. And there's there's no hate behind it at all. It's you, you actually you know we love that person. It's the sin that we know that is so evil. Canada has that law in the, in the churches or for the from the pulpit. Just just from the pulpit. It's not necessarily the the um, if they hear it on the street or something. Yeah, or if they preach on it, uh, against homosexuality as a sin or whatever, that they can they can be arrested, right? Yeah. yeah, and that's what has been talked about in the political realm in, in our time, and, and actually the last few years, but especially in the last year now since yeah. the elections, we keep hearing this. So that could very well be. So you know, I, I understand. Not fully, because I work in an environment that is, I feel guilty, Sandy. You know, you guys have to go in there and go, you know, in a, you know play, they play their games and they do all the different things that goes against Christianity. I have it easy here, so, but I can still be empathizing with you. I know a guy who just got fired from a bank because he sold workers. Yeah, he said he was, they were profaning God's name and he said grieved him and that uh, it was unprofessional. Hmm. That was unprofessional? But it was okay. That, that their cursing was unprofessional oh. in the workplace. Oh, okay. And it just went on and on, and they they isolated him, and then they came up with this um, word of he was being uncollegial. Yeah. And he asked me, he asked me, do you think I'm uncollegial? And I said, I don't even know what that word means. He used a different word. And, uh, but, uh, so he, he definitely got persecuted there. And, uh, yeah. you know. Let, yeah. let me share something that I think, I think we're looking at this in a very American way. Uh, when Romans was written, and when they said, bless those who persecute you, what did they mean, somebody persecuting you? Uh, the laws at that time protected no Christians. Mm -hmm. The authorities, a sergeant in the army could come in and say, I want your house and kick you out in the street that night, throw all your furniture out in the pile and burn it and take over your house. <laughs> I mean, that's why are they uh, weeping with those that are weak, are weeping? Because they have had some terrible things happen to them. Cousin Naboth got pulled out of his bed last night at 12 o'clock and thrown into the arena and fed the lions. <laughs> See, this is nobody saying something about you. This is actually a threat on your life. And many of them lost their life. That's 
told. He, he says, don't persecute, and he says, we don't pay back evil for evil, uh, don't take vengeance. Uh, I think we miss the point in trying, the main point, in trying to apply it to our lives today. We've got to go back and apply it to what it meant to these people that it was written to. And they had absolutely no rights. They could curse you up and down the street, whip you with a whip, drag you off, and throw you in the arena just because they didn't like you. Mm-hmm. And if you happen to be a Christian, well, that's all right. Too. Sure. See, that was kind of the point I was trying to make last week about persecution when, when Bill was saying that, you know, that he's going to be persecuted like I was saying with, with Sandy. You know, persecution, you know, today overseas is being beat up for your faith and being left for dead as opposed to getting into a getting into an, an argument with your god uncle Charlie, you know, or something like that. Where like you the just bomb of the entrance to your church and yeah. them at the congregation. I mm-hmm. mean, that's persecution. You know. I mean, I get into arguments with my extended family all the time. Hard to believe, but I do. <laughs> at the time, so much love. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Understand. Been there. Yeah, the, the time could very well be that uh, we could see that kind of application. You know, I mean, this could be one of those things, hey, we understand this now, be ready. Look in John 15. What did Jesus say about, about persecution? If the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. Yet, because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world... Therefore, the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you. A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will keep yours also. But all these things they will do to you for my name's sake, because they do not know him who sent me. Look in chapter 16. First three verses. These things I have spoken to you that you should not be made to stumble. They will put you out of the synagogues. Yes, the time is coming that whoever kills you will think that he offers God service. And these things they will do to you because they have not known the Father nor me. These things I have told you that when the time comes, you may remember that I told you of them. First of all, he's speaking to the apostles. And these things did happen. And, uh, but I think we can take it in a secondary sense. As you go through church history, you see that happen too. And it even could be, you know, in our time. It's uh, the idea is when we first read the scripture, though, we say, okay, what, what was this? What's the meaning here? Who, who was he writing to at first? We first take that, and then you, then you can see some application. I want to be ready when this time happens. I know that it's not really about hating me. They will hate me, but who are they really hating? Hating Christ. And he says that's, that's the deal. Uh, Christians will be persecuted. We are promised that. Jesus said because they hated him, they would hate his followers. And uh, you can go back to Matthew, the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew 5. And this is a hard and heavy kind of persecution in a way that uh, is evil and wicked. It's definitely coming from uh, the world, you have heard that it was said, and uh, this is what we're dealing with. This is the positive side. Here's how we respond to it. It was, you love your neighbor, Matthew 5:43. You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. 
Now that, that's what they they heard, and that was what they put together. That's what they were saying. Okay, you love your neighbor, but your enemy, you're not to, you're not to love him. You're you're to hate him. Well, I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. Why? That you may be sons of your Father in heaven. For he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward have you? Sounds familiar, doesn't it? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet your brethren only, and what do you do more than others? Do not even the tax collectors do so? Therefore, you shall be perfect just as your Father in heaven is perfect. Quite a demand that he brings out. He says we are to be perfect. Well, we can't, but in Christ we are now, we can do these things that seem so opposite, but that's our response that we are to do. Why? Christians don't, oh, Christians don't belong to the world, do we? Yeah, Bill. Well, in this passage, which is the Matthew 5, 18, which says, you have heard what is said, it was said, love your enemies, uh, love your neighbors, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Um, the cross-reference to me is Leviticus 19:18 which says, Do not seek revenge or bear a grudge against one of your people, but love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. So he's he already accused them of twisting. Yeah, the, what the, were they? The law. Yeah, exactly. God never told them that they could hate their enemies. Yeah. But they took the love your neighbors and then added to it. Yeah, flip-flopped it. Yeah. That's what they say. Here's what I tell you. He yeah. wasn't correcting the law. You know, mm-hmm. he came to fulfill it. So, yeah, he and he, he brought it down to the hard attitudes of the matter. You know, that Sermon on the Mount is so incredible. The world likes those who like them. They'll get, they'll get uh, along with that person. But anyone who does not conform with them is going to have trouble. So that's a promise that God, God gives us. Okay, you don't conform to their manner. Uh, I will tell you, you're going to have trouble. Uh, but a new creation is going to respond differently and uh, not try to, to get back at them. Uh, number two, Christians have been chosen out of the world. We're no longer of the world. We're, we happen to be in it, but we're, not of, but we're chosen out of it. Uh, the doctrine of election, even in the Christian realm, makes people mad, makes them irate. But the chosen ones have been taken out of that. He chose them out of the world. And also, we're identified with Christ. That's another reason why the world or the enemies of Christ hate us, because we identify with Him. People would murder Christ again if they had the chance. They do abortion today. Those same people who do that, they would murder Christ. If He were walking the streets today just like it was back then. Of course, that's not God's plan. (laughs) He's already... Know what he's done. But anyway, that, that's dealing with the general statement in uh, in our Romans 12, and obviously we are probably not going to finish the rest of the chapter. <laughs> I told you we probably wouldn't. But you can see how that sets that part up in the sense: okay, we we know that, but here's here are some ways that we can respond to it whenever he says, and and we'll close this pretty quick here, but we'll start off in this 15. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. That's a characteristic here. 
and this can be to, with anybody. Uh, whether how we in, in, interpret this, these st- always are going to work. Rejoice with a Christian, you know, and weep with that Christian. But let's let's take this further on out. Is it just Christians that we are to weep with and and rejoice with? This is an ability that He has given us to even identify with human beings, someone else, even to somebody that may not even like us, to make really the case that He is involved with, the reason that He's having to weep, you make it your own. You know, you, you your empathy comes in there. You're, you're, you're trying to feel what, what He's feeling in a sense. Allow whatever has happened to Him to affect you. That's the idea, the way that that is set up. Um, to, to rejoice. It's it's a distinct characteristic of a Christian to rejoice. Rejoice always. And here it's rejoicing with somebody who has seemingly no reason to rejoice. What happened if you went to an unbeliever and you started rejoicing with him rather than, you know, that guy, you know, he gets all the breaks and, look, you know, he got a... He got promoted. He doesn't deserve it. I should have been there. I should have been the one promoted, right? Oh, rejoice with him. Because that's giving blessings to him. That's giving honor. It's uh, for the welfare of others. Enter into the very sufferings of those people. When we were born... And we went through our grade school days and later high school days. We didn't think about doing this kind of stuff. And then later on in our natural life, we don't think of that. But this is quite a calling. It's not just having verses and words put together here, but this calling is showing what uh, what Christ is, is like. And it goes much deeper than just the top crust, doesn't it? Quite the thing, characteristic of Christians. We'll stop there tonight. And we have a whole line of these to go, don't we? Being a Christian is radical, isn't it? You ever notice that certain of those elements, God just kind of starts chopping off? You don't retaliate, maybe like what you would like to have or used to, and maybe it's now it's like saying, Hmm. Let's see. I'm not to retaliate. And now you start developing even a feeling for that person. Oh, well, that that person there doesn't know Christ. They're blinded. Uh, what can I do here that I can glorify God? A lot of different ways, but anyway, we can do these. We can do them. Be committed to uh, Christ. Calling. It's a high calling. This is this is ministering, ministering to believers, ministering to the lost, and sometimes that kind of witness where we may not even sometimes even say anything about Christ. They know we're Christians, but to do something they're not expecting. Have you? I'm sure everybody's probably experienced that, and they go, "Why did you do that for me?" Maybe they've wronged you and you've actually done something for them. Have you ever noticed that they're wondering, how can you do that? Why would you do that? I've seen on cases where that people have done that. It does make a mark to them. Maybe they might think. <laughs>